You ready? Yeah, I suppose so. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Gilmore to Say with Tara and Haley. I'm Tara. This is Haley. Hi, Haley. Hi, Tara. I'm ready to take you and our besties on a journey. This is a story <gasps> oh my God. that I've actually been hiding from you for two days that I have been waiting to tell you. Wait. On what have, what have this podcast, I know I've been keeping secrets from you. You know the first half of this journey, but you don't know part two. <gasps> oh my god, I'm scared. Are you ready? No, I'm excited. <laughs> oh yeah, I didn't. I'm not wearing shoes, so you're not. Is, so is this an is indoor gonna, journey. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. You can go, you can come along barefoot. Oh, I it's do a long have journey. shoes on. I don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, you do? Sorry. Okay. <laughs> well, now that we've got that settled, let's go. <laughs> Oh my God, you cracked me up, man. Anyway, on Tuesday, as you know, I was reached out to twice on two different platforms that I haven't used in a long time about being in two different productions. One was like this faux dating reality show, and I was like, nah, I'm good. Classic. And the other was background for this production called The Girls on the Bus. I haven't done background work in like four and a half years. I used to do it a lot just to like get myself on sets. It's a good way to make a little extra cash, you know? So Central Casting, which casts a lot of background, reached out to me and they were like, hey, do you want to do this? And I was like, how random that twice in one day I was reached out to. Yeah. You know, so I was like, okay, this is a sign from the universe. I should do this. So this was on Tuesday. And we had just been talking about something sort of related to that the day before. Actually, we were talking about that not an hour before I got this outreach because this was Tuesday really? night. Yeah. Oh, so wow. I was supposed to test Manifesting. Wednesday. I know, right? So I was supposed to test Wednesday, COVID test, and then do the filming on Thursday. Today is Friday for a frame of reference. The day that Taylor Swift released all her track names. Yes. <laughs> Big day. So I am going to do my COVID test. I leave an hour early because I wanted to take a little walk through the park. It was raining. I wanted to listen to music, sit on my bench under my umbrella. It was really nice. And I get to the train and it's a 12 minute wait. So I call the number and I'm like, hey y'all, I'm going to be late because this COVID test is in Brooklyn. I live in Manhattan. I'm like, hey guys, I'm going to be late. They're like, no worries. We'll let them know. Cool. I get on the F train and I had to go two stops and transfer at Bryant Park. (gasps) The stop right before Bryant Park. (laughs) I am stuck underground for 25 minutes. I want you all to picture 25 minutes and then imagine being stuck on a subway underground with no service for 25 of those minutes. And you just can't do anything. So it finally pulls into the station. I get to my transfer train, which is the 7. We love a 7. It was super easy. And then I look at my Google Maps and I realize that Google Maps has taken me in a way where I am going to have to walk a mile to get to this testing site. Not only do I have to walk a mile, I have to cross a bridge. I'm in Queens. Uh, I have to cross a bridge into Brooklyn. So that was when I started voice messaging you and I was like, Haley. She was walking across a bridge when she was sending it. (laughs) I was like, I'm walking across a bridge right now. What am I doing? Why am I doing this? I was like, planes, trains, and automobiles. Like, how have you gotten Uh, to where you are right now? (laughs) Literally. So I'm walking and I just, I started laughing because it was so comical. And I get over the bridge and I get to where I need to get to. And the building that I'm in front of has no doors. And I'm like, this is a joke. (laughs) I am being punked. What? And then at that point when I saw that, I was like, I don't want to do this. I felt like it was a sign from the universe. It's the only reason why I was going to do it. What was the sign? Just that I had been reached out to twice. In No, no, no. I mean, now at this point that like we, we read the sign initially, but what does the sign say at this point that you've traveled so far to exactly. a doorless I building? guess maybe that, that I was kind of like grasping at straws to do something that would kind of make me feel a little fulfilled and put me back on set. And I was just like, no, it shouldn't be this hard. No. You've traveled far and wide in your career you don't need to do it anymore you don't need to literally travel literally on foot crossing a bridge so I call them they're trying to get me to the COVID testing site and I'm like guys 
I just can't do this. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Hopefully we can work together again in the future. I'm already when on my way back over the, <laughs> over the bridge. So as I'm walking, I kind of am talking to myself in my head like you do. Out loud or in your no, head? No, in my head. I was like, why would I do this? Because I think that the only show that I would do background for now at this point in my career and in my life would be The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And as you know, I was reached out to back in February about doing background for Maisel. Remember? Yes. So at the beginning of the year, I reached out and submitted because I knew it was going to be their last season. And it's been on my bucket list for so long to do background for that show, not only because it's Amy, but also because it's a period piece. It's so gorgeous. Yeah. And it films in New York. I just think it's so aesthetically beautiful. So in February, I submitted through backstage. They got back to me and they were like, are you available for these dates? And I was going for work in L.A. And I couldn't do it. And I was like, oh, no, I can't. But if there's anything else that comes up, let me know. They said, okay, actually, better yet, we have something that's reoccurring featured background where I could potentially be there for like multiple days. And of course, my fitting was those same days that I couldn't shoot that I was going to be in L.A. And I was so upset. I was like this close to canceling my trip to L.A. and being like, go do it without me all. I have places to be. But it's okay. I passed on it because I knew what was meant for me would not miss me. So I'm like thinking about this and I was super bummed because they were filming back in February and then they took a hiatus for rewrites from what I understand. So I get home and I'm in the middle of watching Sadie Sadie because we were recording for Patreon. And my mom texts me. And I was also been on my mom's bucket list to do The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And she sends me a text that someone had just reached out to her about doing background for Maisel. And I was like, <gasps> what? That's so weird. I was like, not only was I just thinking about this, but they're still filming. And so I call her and I tell her everything I just shared with you. And she was like, yeah, they're still filming. I got reached out to you. And she was so excited because she's always wanted to do it. But she just got shoulder surgery. She's in a sling. She can't do anything oh, right no. now. So she's so heartbroken. But I'm sitting there going. I'm going to find out where this is, when this is, and I'm going to shoot my shot. So I find it on backstage as I'm on the phone with my mom. And I was just like, okay, I'm going to email them. I don't know if they're going to get back to me right away. They emailed me back and they were like, would you be willing to let us cut your hair in the fitting? And I was <gasps> like, yeah, I don't care. I need a haircut anyway. I said, yes. Uh, free haircut. Right? Because they have to have it above the shoulders. And right now mine's grown out to like below my shoulders. And so they were like, great, we're going to pencil you in. No, that's going to be so cute. We need you in for a COVID test tomorrow. And we need you in for a fitting on Friday. So wait, when was your COVID my test? My COVID test was yesterday. So Haley and I are recording on Wednesday. And I don't want to tell you this because I wanted it to be a surprise. Because also I didn't know, like if I tested positive for COVID, it wasn't going to happen, you know. So you say to me after we're done recording with Sadie, Sadie, you're like, so what do your next two days look like? And I was like, wait, you lied to me. I did lie to you. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. Because you told me you were getting boosted. No, I was supposed to get boosted. I was supposed to get boosted yesterday. And I changed it because they were COVID testing me and they didn't tell me what time until like 11 p.m. on Wednesday night. So I was oh, like, classic. I'm just going to change it. Did this building have doors? It did have doors. They gave me directions. They gave me a map. A map? Yeah, they gave me a map. Did you put it in your backpack for your long, long journey? <laughs> this was a long, long journey. <laughs> when are you going to do it? That's so, so cool. So I go in for my fitting. Today at 3.30, they're going to cut my hair. That's why I have a heart out today. I don't oh have my a meeting. God. <laughs> Look at you. You're a little, a little liar. liar. <gasps> Wait, when is it? Uh, when it's is it? next 
weekend. It's an overnight shoot. Oh. Yeah. It's going to be fun. And it's on the Upper West Side. So oh, how really? perfect. So, yeah. Like right by your home. Literally. But I'm just excited to get my hair cut. And also it was just exciting to like have it be a little secret from you. But it was so hard to keep when you were like, so what are your <laughs> next couple days like? And I was like, I know. Um, I was like, tell me everything you have going on for the next 40 yeah, hours. And I was hour. just kind of like, uh, TBD. <laughs> how rude. <laughs> but Tara, no, that's so exciting. Like, I know that like, you know, it's just background work, but like yeah. on Maisel, yeah. on an Amy show. I know. And it's a full circle moment for me because I really wanted to do it earlier this year and I was so jazzed about it and so excited to be on set. And then to not have that opportunity yeah. was really hard. Then to have this moment of like, oh, I really wish Maisel was still happening because that's what I would do background for to then finding out that it's happening from my mom, like out of absolutely nowhere, same day. You know what I thought you were going to say? I thought you were going to say that you and your mom were going to be doing it together. I really wish we were. I that, really, really I was going to we start were. crying at that oh. idea, which should have been amazing. I know. That's so exciting. So when oh. this episode does air on Tuesday, I'll post my haircut. Okay, great. Oh my God. What if it's ugly? Yeah, that's my fear. I really hope it's not. I'm just going to ask them if they can not make, make sure they don't go any shorter than sh- like chin length. That is the fear. I'm like, please, I yeah, love Julian Andrews get, like, and the Queen Sound of Gambit's Music. Hair. Yeah, I don't want that. I'm not interested in Queen Gambit's hair. I just want like... Berries and cream. Yeah, I don't want to look like the berries and cream guy. I would like to just have like a chin length because I'm sorry, but whatever they're paying me as a background actor, it's not worth them botching my hair but I don't think they will no but it's exciting it's fun I bet they love that you're like willing to you know Mm. play with the hair yeah totally it's very Taylor Midnight's I feel like to have like short red hair for some reason oh okay I'm just making stuff up I keep (laughs) saying that about everything (laughs) you're so funny but anyway I wanted to tell that story I thought it was a really good like oh I love oh my gosh I'm so excited for you thank you I can't wait we'll have to have to come back and tell our besties with a little update of my experience can't wait talk about max medina max max medina which i realized i we've been misquoting because i went back and rewatched the whole entire max arc from mm-hmm. beginning to end yeah like i watched only max scenes i watched a couple where the girlies are talking about him just for like context yeah um but it was almost as if i watched an entire movie about max and he says max medina max, max medina. medina oh you're right I, nev- I never realized that there was that middle oh my god we've been saying it wrong this whole time we max, said it wrong max for a really medina. long time oh yeah my god. I, ca- I kind of like ours a little bit better but i think that's just because i've just been saying it for so long and got totally. used to it totally but something that I realized when I went back and like watched all of these Mm -hmm. because as everyone knows like it's no spoiler I've mentioned it before that I get like a major ick for Max Mm -hmm. and so when I did this I tried to watch it through the lens of like I want to fall in love with Max because that's what the show wanted from me yeah like I went into it like because I've watched the show a million times we just watched it on Patreon and I had really set feelings about it so I was like I think I could change my mind if I go into this like with my like romance book brain like Mm -hmm. I want to see the best in this man I want to fall in love with him Mm -hmm. and I kind of did forcibly I forced myself to see Max for the romantic lead that they wanted him to be Mm -hmm. and it helped me highlight this like 
I guess it's not a theory, but I keep trying to boil down each man on the show to one word, Mm. you know, like what represents them and their character arc. And I think it took me forcing myself to fall in love with Max Medina, which I'm not. I just, you know, I was trying to see it and I saw it. I can see both sides of it a little bit better. Yeah. But I think that his word, because I think like Logan's word is like choice. I think Luke's is jump. And I think that Max's has to do with call. Mm. Because he's always on the phone. He's always on the phone. The Mm -hmm. first like instance of him being flirty is from a voicemail the first instance of her really like pining from him is listening to a voicemail Mm. when they get serious they do it over the phone you know Mm. they have these phone calls he proposes over the phone she accepts over the phone and then when they break up she never calls and like the thing about a phone call is like it's two people who can be on the same page but there's always going to be a massive amount of distance between the two of them yeah so i think when it boils down to that max it's just a call. Okay. Sometimes the wrong call. But Yeah. Interesting. That's kind of how I see that. Interesting. It's because his arc. The other thing, speaking to your point about the way that they break up, is we never really find out how they end their relationship, how Lorelai ends it. And we assume it had to have been a phone call because she ends up saying when she sees him in, in the, the big, big one, one, because I never called and I should have called. And I'm really bad at making a call when a call is necessary. So it's yeah. like, we've raised this question on the pod before. How did you end your relationship with How him? did he find out it was over? So I have to imagine that there must have been some call at some point. Just we to just let him know it. that she didn't die? She definitely didn't leave him at the altar. Because, because he never made it there. Yeah. So I have to assume she called at some point, but maybe she means like a follow-up call. To See, that's, say, what I, that's also what I never understood. Like, did she really never talk to this man ever again when she decided to go into Rory's room and they were going on a road trip. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Cause last time we'll, we'll get to the last time we see him, but like she never called him, yeah. but I think that that's like speaking to it is like that, you yeah. know, they never, she never made it back around to the call. And like, that's just kind of my theory that as I'm going through, I'm trying to yeah. like zero in on like a word for each of the boys. I totally. haven't figured out Dean and Jess's yet, but I have Luke and Logan and Max. Okay. All right. Yeah. I I can definitely get on board with that because there's a lot of conversation over the phone and it kind of lends itself to like the game of telephone where yeah. miscommunication is a big problem in their relationship. Yeah. The other the other thing can be like is talk. Like Max talks a good game because if we go back yeah. to like the first time that we see him, you know, he well, when we see him, he's speaking in class you see mm-hmm. Rory's teacher in the deer hunters his first appearance and he's giving this you know talk because he's the professor that's his job yes and it's kind of it's cute it's endearing that's what we like oh, yeah. about Max is he's a professor and really like intellectual and just cute that yeah. we're like who is this guy Who's like, this you, man the moment you see him you like you know that Lorelai's gonna meet him oh like, heck yeah even if you haven't seen it and when she does meet him at school I'm like this is flirty cute. Yeah. But it's like, it's when he's proposing to Lorelai that says, you talk so good that like, that's kind of how it always is with him. Yeah. He like spins something really well and makes it almost seem like it was your idea too. Mm-hmm. No, bit. totally. You're totally right. Cause 
his words and the potential that their relationship could have are what fuels the relationship, right? Yeah. It's not about the actuality because every time they're faced with the reality of their relationship and how incompatible they are, that's when they break up. Yeah. And so... Because they're like magnets. Yeah. It's like sexually, but like... like yeah. They, I just... I never really saw them having like a really deep connection beyond that. Yeah. We were meant to feel that because of the way that they talk about their relationship. And so talk, call, like that perfectly encapsulates the relationship yeah. between Lorelai and Max. So let's get into it. Let's talk about kind of the journey of how how we see him, his arc, because we spoke to this in our season one review that the story surrounding it is a little chaotic, Yeah, you know, ab- around their relationship. And that's why going through it on its own, I was like, this is really cute. You had a deeper appreciation for it. Yeah, because it was happening like one after another because I was like skipping through the max scenes. But right. when you pull back out and you see everything that's happening around it, you're like, how does this girl have any interest in this yeah, man? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Because like we said, we meet him in the Deer Hunters. Like they have this flirty moment at school. But then the next time she sees him, they're like yelling in Headmaster Charleston's office. Like maybe mm. he's going to get fired because she's telling Headmaster Charleston these bad things he said about school. Yeah. And then the next thing we know, he's calling and is like, I want to see your mom again. Which like I never understood why Rory didn't listen to that and be like, that was flirty. Yeah. Like, what did you say to my teacher? Exactly. And then the very next episode, he, in a matter of moments, is like, we should be friends. Let's go on a date. Ooh, I'm yeah. going to grab your elbow a little too familiar. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because in speaking to you getting the ick for him, Brett also felt that way. He was like, ooh, 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 this is a little too hard and fast. I never felt that way until I started rewatching the series with you and going through really? it in a deep dive and then also rewatching it with Brett. Yes. So you were a Max fan. Like for you sure. liked him. For oh. sure. Have I turned you to the dark side? The a ick? little. I mean, it's just more Sorry. that I can zoom out. No, it's okay. It's just moreover that I can zoom out and look at it for what it is rather than like being so caught up in the story and also I think looking at it as a 30 year old woman versus a 12 year old kid who was just like oh Max he's so cute he's so sweet he's so well, nice well that's the thing I do have a lot of cutie Max vibes like of when course, I'm watching it there's so to. many moments when I'm like oh my gosh but then when you look at like the full picture you're like what yeah it's it's like really two minds watching it exactly exactly and that's how I feel when I watch the show in general I watch it from like my 12 year old soul and I also watch it from a 2022 lens which is kind of what we're here to talk about on the podcast all the time right is is looking at it from a completely different angle than how we enjoy it as our girlies who got obsessed yeah yeah of course but like this is one of those circumstances where I'm looking at it more as a 30 year old woman and about my taste in the way that I'm courted as a woman. And then yeah. also like kind of the push and pull of relationships and longing for that consistency, which Max and Lorelai desperately lack. And yeah. I could credit both of them for that, for like the chaos, like intermittently within their relationship. Um, and of course, it's also credited to the writers because. Yeah, I mean, it's all that. the writers that yeah. just like it felt like they weren't building Like, I think we've talked before about, like, if Chris hadn't been in season one, season one would have made a lot more sense to, like, parallel Luke and... The push and pull of Luke and Max. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But it wasn't that. It was that we got Max in, like you said, Deer Hunters, he's introduced, then Cinnamon's Wake, he's very persistent with her. They're supposed to go on this date. It doesn't happen. Well, they go on the pre-date. 
and that's where the like at the, the idea shop. yeah the mm-hmm. idea of he can spin a story because he starts oh, telling the, the story of his uncle yeah yes. where he's like his uncle wanted to marry this girl but he went to war and he came back and she yeah. had moved away and no one knew where she was and like he was like don't let the girl get away and you're like holy fuck I want to go on a date with Max yeah. like if he's thinking that I'm the girl that like, can't get away right now and Lorelai's like that story about your uncle like was that true and he says goodbye Lorelai Gilmore mm. and you're just like answer the question answer the like, question my man did it happen and like from my like romantic brain I'm like it doesn't matter if it was real because mm. right now at least he thinks that I'm the girl that might get away if he doesn't take me on a date like yeah. but at the same time I'm like Max, come on. You don't know this girl at all. Why? That's why I always say there needed to be one episode between the Deer Hunters and Cinnamon's Wake, at least in terms of Max yes, and Lorelai. Totally. Just to build it. To just make to it... get us invested in a way that made sense, less yeah. that we were compelled to feel this way because the characters were telling us that there were all these feelings that we weren't feeling before they did or that we weren't seeing like simultaneously with them. Yeah. And I think they had pretty good chemistry. No, for real. Like, they totally did. I bought it. But oh, I was 100%, also like, but like you said, there just needed to be an episode in between because, like, I don't know. It's just when he grabs her elbow at the beginning of Cinnamon's Wave. Yeah, I'm like, I've like, known each other for that long. Yeah, like weird. you left a voicemail on her phone, and now you're getting too close. Yeah, but, too close. Like, yeah, just one more episode. Rakuten is the most rewarding way to shop and save because members earn cash back on everything that they buy. Rakuten is a shopping platform that partners with over 3,500 stores across every category, including beauty, clothing, electronics, home, department stores, pets, and more. And as you all know, I love shopping through the Rakuten app. Every time I shop online, I always start there to see what the cashback deals are. It's incredibly user-friendly, membership is free, and it's easy to sign up. The best part is you can maximize your savings by stacking cashback on top of other deals because the app lets you know what the store sales and coupons are at your favorite places to shop. Speaking of favorite places to shop, I love shopping Anthropologies post-holiday sale where they put their clearance on clearance. This year, not only did I get savings on top of savings, but I also got cash back by shopping their sale through Rakuten. Cashback rates are changing daily, so make sure that you check their site or your app to snag the best deals. Start all of your shopping at Rakuten.com or get the Rakuten app like me to start your saving today. Your cashback really adds up. I don't know what it is, but cowboy boots are magic. Since they've arrived, I've worn my Tacovis boots almost every day. I have the Annie in Midnight. I know you have the Annie in Bone. I do. But they make me feel so powerful because, of course, it is my dream to be a cowgirl. Yes, I know this about you, but I also know <laughs> you've told me that you wear them while you write your book. I do. I wear them all the time because I also wear them when I get dressed up or when I'm sitting at my dress recording the podcast because they make me feel so bold and brave and like I can do anything no matter how I style them. Tecovis has carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality that you find in a great pair of cowboy boots, but they've innovated on comfort, style, and service with boots for men and women handmade from the most premium leathers. And if you dream of being cowgirls like us or you're already Western to your core, Tecovis is the perfect brand to start with because they believe in Western for all. They don't only offer their handmade boots, but all sorts of head-to-toe Western staples. Perfect jeans to go with your boots, pearl snaps, bandanas, and cowboy hats. You name it and they'll get you out fitted. 
And if you can't make it into a store, Tacovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. So visit tacovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And as a special opportunity for our listeners, Tacovis has said that they will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps for free into any minimum purchase of $100 on tacovis.com. Just use the code Gilmore at checkout. That's G-I-L-M-O-R-E. It's about a $30 value and they sell fast, so they're always new styles and looks. Again, for a limited time, just enter code Gilmore at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tecovis. Only at Tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and point your toes west. Haley, I feel like most of our followers already know that we don't really drink alcohol, but we do love a fun beverage. Oh, we do. Both of us think a fun beverage and a chill night is the epitome of a good time, especially when that drink is a recess mood, which is a delicious sparkling water infused with functional ingredients like mood lifting magnesium and stress balancing adaptogens. So you can relax without the alcohol. I drink mine every night while reading, of course. Tara, tell everyone how you enjoy yours. Honestly, I usually drink mine while we're recording the podcast. (laughs) It's my favorite way to enjoy a recess. And all of our besties can get 15% off the Recess Mood sampler pack at takearecess.com slash GTS. Recess Mood is made with real fruit and comes in four delicious flavors like strawberry rose and raspberry lemon. But my personal favorite is the grapefruit tangerine. And with only 20 calories and no added sugar, it's the perfect way to chill. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash GTS and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. But that's why it was so chaotic is because you've got Deer Hunter, Cinnamon's Wake, and then we don't see him again until Love and War and Snow. And that's pure happenstance. I know we start out with a voicemail from him, the Max Medina, Max Medina. Yeah. And she's obviously pining for him, but it's kind of almost like it's better if she doesn't have this experience with him yet because he's just an idea, right? They've had these chance encounters, but like he's an idea right now. See, that's like, it's almost like straddling the line of like fictional boyfriend and real boyfriend Mm -hmm. where it's like, it's the fantasy of it. Yeah, It's like, there's this boy out there who like he calls and he's like, there's a girl when I pass the turnpike and pass the star cell sign on the turnpike. And I think there's a beautiful girl out there who I want to like go on a date with. Yeah, And you're just like, it's almost like living it's the it's the living for the hope of it all it's mm-hmm. like this is so and it does unfold very magically but you're right for this guy who is so persistent in cinnamon's wake like we have to go on a date we have to date like yeah I saw you yell at my boss and I was like, you, you're the one, baby girl. Mm -hmm. And now we have to go on a date. And then because of a cat's funeral, it got pushed back. Right. But then this was like the end of September because it's not quite Rory's birthday, which today is Rory's birthday. Happy birthday, baby. (laughs) I know. And so then it's snowing the next time we see them because that's the magic of the snow. It's Mm -hmm. like Max appears like this like fantastical man who just suddenly happened upon her town in the way that it seemed like she was pining for him. Mm-hmm. How much, why, how has so much time passed? I know. It's been at least a month, if not more. It's, yeah. Yeah, I'd say maybe about a month it's and like a half, It's like the beginning of months. December. Yeah. So all this time has passed, and you get their encounter in Love and War and Snow, and obviously it escalates. We see what happens. He goes back to her place. They're about to spend the night together. Lane kind of disrupts that. Then he ends up on her couch. That's kind of when Rory's dreams are dashed about her dad, which is really the first time we've heard more about her dad or seen glimpses of her dad before Christopher actually arrives on the scene. 
And then it's like, she's dating Max, kind of, or at least like that's the that's the inference we can make. And then yeah. this is when like Rory's dance, forgiveness and stuff, and Luke is now part of the equation. This is this is the Luke bit. Like yeah. it feels like now we're buying into Luke being there. Because Rory's dance is definitely a Gilmore Girls episode. There's no real like, you no. know, other than Dean. Dean. Yeah. But Luke builds out in forgiveness, forgiveness and, and stuff. stuff. And it's very much like, were you on a date? Emily, you're idiots, the both of you. Like, yeah. we're starting to pick up on the signs that there is something between Luke and Lorelai, right? Yeah. And Max doesn't even get mentioned in that no. episode. Like, it's just between the two of them. And it just feels like such an inconsistent story because it's like, now I want to root for Luke, but what was this cutie thing that was happening with Max where he woke up on the couch and yeah, she could, so she is could that maybe love him. Yeah. yeah. And so then by the time we get to Paris is burning, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, okay, so they have been dating. She's at his apartment. She's sitting on the counter. She's eating the food. Yeah. It's like they do the weird teacher role play. <laughs> yes. And then all of a sudden she starts panicking and she's yeah. like, I don't know what to do about this relationship. It's starting to get serious. Rory's starting to get attached. Because I don't Rory's, like that. Yeah. And so she ends this relationship with him. It's very dramatic. She's in tears by the yeah. end of the episode. Because this is this is the episode where she's kind of aggressive towards Suki. Because mm-hmm. Suki's like, oh, you're doing that thing that you do. Yeah, the cha-cha. Yeah. And I like that she brought that up. That like when things start to get good, she gets scared. And mm. the whole time she's blaming it on Rory, that Rory's getting attached. And we know that she's talking about herself, but I like that Suki points it out. I do too. Now, when Suki brings this up to her in this episode, she says, how long have you been dating? Two months. It's been about two months. That's when you usually do the cha-cha-cha. So she's been seeing Max for two months at this point, which kind of makes no sense. When when did two months start? Who's to yeah. say? The timeline in season one is messy. But anyway, they've been together for two months. And within these two months, there's been some like, will they, won't they with Luke? Nothing has happened with Luke, but there's been a little will they, won't they. Because forgiveness and stuff falls in those two months. Yes. So I found that odd because you took the audience in a direction where it's like, oh, there's also this other relationship. But again, there's no mention of Max this entire time until Paris is burning. And we're like, oh, I guess they're still together. And then they break up, as we know, at the end of Paris is burning. Like I said, she's in tears by the end of the episode, crying in her bed, heartbroken. The thing is, is like it makes so much sense why they broke up, because Mm -hmm. the reason that Lorelai didn't want to get together is the reason that they broke up is because like Max is so blinded to the consequences of what could transpire from what they're doing yeah of course of course because because he is that just like who max is that well i just think that he got a little brazen about it but if he was actually that invested in her headmaster charleston being like hey you could lose your job over this wouldn't have stopped him in my opinion but he but she's not wishy-washy that's what i mean is like when it when he's like I have a good standing at the school, I think it was, in Cinnamon's Mm -hmm. Wake. Like, Mm -hmm. there's nothing against it. And he's like, now I could lose my job. It was like, it's like this weird, like, I don't want to say the thought that just popped in my head, but like, 
I'm gonna say it's like he was thinking with his dick now he's thinking with his 401k and it's like yeah why like yeah. what was the what was the real shift is it because like she's not showing up and like to be fair she wasn't really communicating at the time but no like, no she messed that up she messed that up by getting scared I don't blame I get her it. but like she just didn't go about it in the right way she handled it poorly totally and I see why he he left like I totally understand why from his perspective he was kissing a mom at school like Max, what are you doing? What are you like, doing? This buddy? is your place of work. Yeah, like, why would sure. you do it? Especially if Laura like kicked it up to NC seventeen, whatever that meant. Yeah, whatever that um, means. Whatever that meant in that instance. But it's just like, yeah, I understand why he bailed, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I understand why she was upset because she was coming around to it yeah. just as he was realizing. Oh, there are consequences that I need to um, address. Yeah, yeah. It's just that after this episode, we don't hear about him. Right? For so long. We don't Not hear until Starcross Lovers. Until, yes. And that's one, two, three, four, five episodes in between Paris is Burning and Starcross Lovers. We've got double date. So she goes on this date with Rune, who she obviously doesn't like. But that is where we get another glimpse of her and Luke. And then Concert Interruptus. That's when Luke wants to ask her out because they're going to play cards. Exactly. Mrs. Kim walks in. And then... Concert Interruptus is when everything happens with Luke and Rachel and Lorelai's finding out about Rachel, so... And he gives up her jacket, because, like, mm-hmm. she's the one that says, like, t- he says it's time to let go, and mm-hmm. it's very clearly, like, he's getting rid of his ex's stuff because he has a thing for Lorelai. But also, she's very curious about him because she keeps asking Suki about Rachel. Yeah. She's shocked that he had another partner. Yeah. And then, after that, is that damn Donna Reed, and that's when things really start to get and they're about like, to kiss obvious because they're about to kiss when they're about to do the painting of the diner yeah and then at the end of the episode christopher comes in and there's this whole blip the papa shows up yeah the papa and then he starts raising questions they sleep together she lets luke down all of this stuff is happening and i'm like whoa 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 and then in the next episode she goes i miss max and i'm like wait what you're like girl when when did your feelings have a break? Because they explain it away by being like, you know, when you like just try so hard not to think about something so you don't feel it. And I'm like, girl, please. I mean, I'm honestly, expert yes. at com- <laughs> compartmentalizing. And then it. she had a dream about him. And that's always how it happens where I'm like, oh, totally fine. And then something like my stupid fucking n- mind in the middle of the night brings it to the f- forefront of my thought process. Yes. And I'm like back in it. So like it made sense. But I was also like. Baby, you have had so much going on. Why are you, like, why are we revisiting this? Mm -hmm, And we mm -hmm. don't see him, but it's just, you know. And But I still feel like that connection, because, like, Rachel shows up. But I still feel like that connection between Luke and Lorelai is so strong there. Yeah, but then we're kind of made to forget about it because Rachel shows up. I mean, obviously she speaks to the connection between Lorelai and Luke, but then Lorelai in the next episode immediately runs to Max and that's when we see him again. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's right. This exists, but our problems are still here. And here you are, but we're going to do it anyway. And then they kind of talk about talking. They talk about talking because he's like, kind of like, I'm cool with the consequences now. He was like, they hurt for a little while and now... uh But then... We don't hear about him for two more episodes. I and literally then in cannot PSI believe. And PSI Love, 
all of a sudden he's back. They've been talking for a while. And in the next episode, he proposes to her. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. The most confusing part of that is that she at no point told Suki any of it from the breakup part two when they have sex till P.S. I love when Suki's there and Max comes in and she's not surprised, but she doesn't know anything about it. Like, also... Lorelai borrowed her car to go see to go- Max. Yeah. It's wild. It's wild to me. But it it just doesn't make sense for the actual buildup the, of their relationship. If you're watching it, like you said, kind of, you know, continuously. Isolated. Just yeah. watch the Max scenes. It makes sense. It's this overarching, like, will they, won't they? We tried to stay away from each other. We couldn't. Now yeah. we're back together. We're trying to make it work. Oh, my God. Will you marry me? But when you add in all of the other factors of season one being this push and pull between Lorelai and Luke, between Lorelai and Max, and then Christopher's thrown into the mix, it's kind of hard to root for a specific couple, even when they are, you know, unfolding the way that Max and Lorelai were. It just, I, now watching it back with all of that story added on top of it, and again, through the lens of not only a 30-year-old woman, but in the year of 2022 when we've kind of like zeroed in on these relationships where women are courted in a way where it's like in cinnamon's wake she says no he says but no you i, I can tell we both want to she's saying no oh but i'm gonna be more persistent it starts to kind of says, lose yes. its luster yeah. when yeah. then it continues on to be this push pull push pull push pull And then we're thrown all of these other guys, well, two other guys, but two of the most important relationships, in my opinion, for Lorelai over the course of the the series. It's like, ah, I just feel way too much chaos surrounding everything else that it's hard for me to invest in Max, especially because you can tell that the solution to all of their problems is to either break up or get married. And that's what's wild. When they get there... And he's like, the only solution to this, and she was like, break up, murder, suicide. And he's like, get married. It's like, feels like a joke because you're like, couples counseling, therapy, uh, let's go to dinner and talk about why you felt the need right now to tell me that you were sleeping and dating other women like Soul Train style. Like, mm. That that's what's crazy. It's like he yeah. keeps like we're we keep getting into a bad pattern. So the best thing to do now is to like before God and under like the laws governing our country get married so that like we would have to spend a lot of money to break any bad pattern in the future. Yeah. That's that's and logic. That's where I'm kind right? of like what? What 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 what? No. But before we really pivot into season two, how did watching all of that make you feel about Max as a character? Less as a suitor for Lorelai. Like, is that what gives you the ick? Or does Max as a human give you the ick? <laughs> I feel like the thing about the ick is it's more of like, it's less of like an overall feeling and more of like little bits that populate together. Okay. Because it's like, I do think that like, in some ways, his persistence and like the way he grabs her elbow, I'm like, Oh, ick. Like, Mm -hmm. for some reason, just seeing him standing there in, like, the whole date that they go on in Love and War and Snow, I feel an ick. Like, I just... Interesting. I don't know. Like, but watching it as a whole, I, to be fair, I was, like, had just read, like, two romance novels and then, like, was like, okay, I'm gonna watch this Max thing. So I was like, okay, you got yourself in the right mood. (laughs) Yeah. I, like, really had to, like, you know, like, 
prep the palate in yeah. order to like get into this. And so I was like, I was like, I see it. I mm. so see this. Like, I see what they wanted me to see. I see this like man who's just like cute, intellect, super mm. into you. But like the only thing that's holding him back from being with you is the consequences of what this means for him at work, which is a big deal. Mm. And it's just when they actually get into the relationship and the way that he it just feels so childlike it feels like there's an opening to be communicative but like and I say childlike in the sense of like they're teenagers like even when they're on the phone they're like you hang up first and I know it's a joke yeah but it's like it feels like they needed to be together for longer to I don't know and I always get the ick for that fight I always like every single proposal as we talked about on Last week, fight. This week, engaged. Is that what mm-hmm. that episode's mm-hmm. called? Um, yes, is, is that every proposal happens in a moment of conflict, starting mm-hmm. with this one? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess we count the Chris one, but definitely this one. And it's like, I think that, like, someone whose instinct is to get married in the middle of a fight immediately. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. I don't know. It's like, it's small things that I can't quite articulate. Yeah. No. And I think that's totally valid. I just think that a lot of people get on board with Max because he is a nice guy. He's very charming. Seemingly stable. Very stable. And smart. Never makes Lorelai feel dumb. No. And that's what I really like about him because, like, each of the boyfriends kind of have a little bit of the girl who's not dating him. So, like, there's a little bit of Rory in all of Lorelai's love interest in the same way that Lorelai is in all of Rory's. And I feel like that's where Max is. He's, like, an he's in academia he's an intellect he's smart but he never mm-hmm. makes Lorelai feel dumb he, right he always makes her feel like she's like you know like that she could read Proust and that she I think at some point she's like I'm stupid and he was like the last thing you are is stupid yeah um you are many things but stupid is not one of them yeah so he like makes her feel like she could be on his level and you know yeah anytime sure. he corrects her in something it's never in like a rude way it's just who he is and yeah I can see it. I can see it totally. I, yeah, I do as well. But in all of those ways that he is wonderful, he just wasn't the right fit for her. He wasn't the right fit for her at all. And that's, that comes out in season two. And as you and I are moving through it on Patreon, we're starting to really unpack some of the ways in which it doesn't work. And we're about to hit red light on the wedding night. But in these first two episodes, Sadie Sadie and Hammers and Veils, specifically Hammers and Veils, we start to see like, oh, I don't know that you're necessarily the right partner for her. You are inherently a good guy. And she's obviously wonderful. We love her. But it's just that you're not the right fit. And in this Friday's episode, you actually talk about you actually talk about the conversation that they have surrounding Emily's response to Lorelai sharing with her that she's yeah engaged. when they're on the state and hammers and yes bells. yes and it's that it's that <laughs> we we all go through this right like whether it's a friend or a partner and you're sharing with them that you're upset about something yeah right? sometimes it's really about how they react to you as a whole when you're facing conflict inner conflict or It's about how they react to the situation specifically. Yeah. And I don't know. I still can't say for sure. I mean, obviously, they weren't the right people for each other. But in this specific moment, you pointed out that Max was kind of a problem solver in that moment. While she was upset 
we call it feelings mode versus solutions mode. Yes. And the problem when you're someone who like needs to vent, you need to be angry and you need someone to just like let you do that. Mm-hmm. The worst type of person that you can be with is someone who is a solutions mode optimist who always wants the problem to be solved rather than to let you sit in your feelings because she was like so clearly trying to get him to be like just tell me that my mom dismissing my engagement was bad and I mm-hmm. can be upset about it rather than being like you can have my parents too like he just yeah. and there's nothing like necessarily wrong with someone who wants to help you that way no, but it's like but again I it just shows you it's it a wrong can fit. sometimes be about the wrong partner but it can yeah. also be about like the wrong situation because for me sometimes I've been in situations where like I'm trying to be the problem solver my friends have looked at me and said to me like I need you to be savage with me right now I'm angry I need you to be angry with me and I'm like noted need you to say you're gonna kill them but we're not going to yeah exactly so it's one of those situations in which I think that Max as a partner was that way he was an optimist he was a problem solver and I can't say for sure that he wouldn't have been able to be angry with her, but I don't think that's his first instinct. I think it would need to be asked of him. I think she'd need to be like, listen, we're just going to shit on this right now. And when the time comes, you're going to be the first person I'm going to solve this problem with because it seems like you love to do it. But like, shut up and let me let me get the steam out. Otherwise, we're going to explode. Exactly. Pressure cooker. And, like, that's where I really feel like it comes in that he's, like, the nature of the relationship is a call because they're talking to each other very clearly, but there's so much distance between them as they Mm. do it, even when they're with each other. Yeah. Um, But, like, the metaphor of her engagement ring being too big and not fitting, Mm. like, what what makes more sense than just the fact that, like, this relationship would have been an engagement ring on your thumb? And how weird is that? Exactly. Do people remember that? That like at the end of, what was it? Sadie, Sadie, when Max gives her her engagement ring, she tries it on and it doesn't fit. And she says that she'll wear it on his thumb. She'll wear it on her thumb rather. And he wants to get it resized. And she's like, no, no, no. And he's like, no, I'm going to resize it. But she was like Mm. kind of resistant to it being resized. Yeah. And we see how that worked out. I know, I know. And like I said, we're about to approach red light on the wedding night, so we haven't taken a deep dive into it just yet. But I did I did watch all the Max moments from it. And how did you feel? It felt too admittedly sudden because mm-hmm. I felt like where we ended um, Hammers and Veils, which we'll get to on Friday, was that Max was kind of like... Even if he was kind of still in solutions mode, he was still the getaway car. He was driving Mm -hmm. her there. He realized Mm -hmm. where they were going. He tried to stop her, but he was like, you know what? And then he kind of just like wrapped it up and was like, great to meet you. My parents want to have dinner with you if you get a chance. Wonderful. And then the next time we see him, you know, they're they're picking out the photographer, Kirk, and his new photos, (laughs) LOL. And, you know, they go to their separate bachelorette parties, bachelor, bachelorette. And there's this one moment that, like, if we're talking about Ick, it's so 2000s male love interest moment when Lorelai's like, go to a strip club. It's the last time you're going to get to look at, like, breastage, I think is what mm-hmm. she says. Another woman's breastage. And he's like, oh, okay, bye. And it's just this, like, really? Yeah. Like, I know it's a joke, but, like, 
Yeah. Whatever. But then she calls Chris. And I this is this is the only moment that I'm like, I'm so glad we met Chris because this was the best moment. Mm. When everyone's call because Emily's like, I wanted to try on my wedding dress. Mm-hmm. Cause that's what we talked about is it's her mom that's putting these doubts in her head. Her mom, who's like she has the most dysfunctional relationship with, who has like the best marriage, who's been married and literally for forty years. Not at this point, but like almost. Yeah. And it just, she's the one. It's her. It's her fucking mother that's making her feel like, like she's the. That that's where it starts. Is that she don't want to try on her wedding dress, and she calls Chris. Mm-hmm. Like that reveal every single time. I always know it's coming, but to not call Max. Well, what gets me in that episode is how awkward it is when he's trying to fit into their world. And that that wasn't something that they thought about. That was what I was going to say. Until that episode. I'm like, well, he's spending the night. She's never spent the night with him in the house and she's going to marry him. And I know that's how they used to do things and how some people still do things. But like for me, if I don't know how I live with someone, I'm not signing the paperwork. And then moreover that Dean is educating this man that's what's confusing. I forgot on, about that. On yeah. their eating habits, on their tendencies, on their crankiness. And it's like, you're marrying this man. Yeah. And a 16-year-old is educating him on how you and your daughter operate. That's a huge red flag. Yeah. And I almost wish that we had started seeing stuff like that at the beginning of season two rather than in that episode. Because like you're you right. said, it just seems very sudden out of absolutely nowhere because the only real like moment that we have like that is where like max shows up like quote unquote like a minute late because she can't ever be on time like Mm -hmm. being on time is like too early um because when he goes to luke's and eats with them for the first time and like they're like so ready to order blueberry pancakes and like luke's like i'm not gonna set them aside first come first serve because Mm -hmm. max isn't like he doesn't know what he wants and they're getting and he was like my rhythm might not match yours and it just feels like it reminds me so distinctly of P.S. I Love, or P.S. I Love, rather, because Rory is suddenly really upset about Dean, but she hasn't mm-hmm. been in any of the previous episodes. Yeah. So, like, now it's like they're really doubling down on the fact that Max is trying to fit in. But, like, like you said, Dean is teaching him about how the girls work, like, how to talk to them, when not to talk to them, don't get into, like conversation too late like Mm. if they're gonna make you eat ice cream like they eat a ton of junk food but like he was the one that bought them ring pops yeah the town meeting he was the one that like they had bags and bags of food like he knew them yeah so like it just felt so disconnected it yes i completely agree and so that's why i think despite the fact that we were disappointed that lorelei wasn't marrying max like if you actually look at the big picture it does make a lot of sense what doesn't make sense is how she ended the relationship which we've spoken to before plenty of times well because we have to talk about the last scene that we see max in which is when he comes to the inn to pick up keys and he's really pushy about it because he's so upset about the keys because he wants to drop his printer off and he says you need to think about someone other than yourself for a few minutes a day yikes like to be fair Lorelai can be very selfish she's very forgetful I don't know how many times Fuggy Max has asked for this key or how he's gonna get it but it's like I kind of feel the same way if like someone was not making the effort to you know absolutely I would be like me in their life like like that well because something he says is like 
should I be worried about why you're not giving me the keys? Is there like something going on that you're not telling me about? I feel like it's kind of symbolic. And she's like, no, what are you talking about? Well, when in actuality, it is. Yeah. She's not letting him in. And in his defense, it comes on the heels of the conversation where he was like, how do I parent Rory? And she's like, Rory's raised. What do you mean? He was like, what if Dean and Rory are making out on the couch? She's like, turn off the light. Exactly. Exactly. So it's like, I get where he's coming from, but it's also like, what is he? It's in her bedroom. And he's like, what is my role here? And she's like, you're my fella. You're my guy. You're my old man. That would rub me the wrong way. But he was like, he was like, you said yes. Now we need to figure this all out. I was like, isn't this something you talk about before you say exactly. yes? Exactly. And and that was the writer showing that they weren't ready for this, which we all already totally. knew. Yeah. But it just, it sucks because the relationship itself kind of, in looking at it now versus watching it when I was a kid and really rooting for Max, like, yeah. it kind of rubbed off on Max's character. And yeah. I think that that's kind of speaking to the question that has been raised to us about why we don't see Max as like the perfect guy because their relationship was filled with a lot of imperfections which is life right that's why we love the show but I think that's why I try my best to separate the relationship out from the character because I do really like Max as a character and I do think that there's a lot of potential there for the two of them to work if they were under different circumstances but at the end of the day they just weren't the right people for each other He was a really good character for them to not work out. Mm-hmm. Like he was a really good sort of like like tease into like this could work, but like ultimately you're the wrong person. And I think that as much as like Lorelai's love life was kind of mishandled and chaotic and all over the place in season one, I think that like because we see that last scene with Max where she says, I'll get the keys and that's it. That's all we see of Max until mm-hmm. literally a season and a half from now. Mm-hmm. Well, between the two of them. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just mean between him and Lorelai. Mm-hmm. Um, was like, it's kind of unceremonious that, like, that's over because the f- next person that we see, and I speak to this, like, all, like, her love life kind of being mishandled, is that I feel like from this moment forward, like, kind of red light and the wedding night is where they get Lorelai and her love life and the romance of her world, right? Because mm-hmm. the next person that we see is Luke. Mm hmm. He's built the huppa, like it's we get the visualization of them standing underneath the together yeah. and like they're up at the altar. And he's like, Max seems like a good guy. And she's like, Did you really mean what you said about marriage? Like about how it's such it's a bad idea. And he says, Um, you have to find the one person who doesn't want to change you. And if like you find that person, then it'll be worth it. Like if you find the person who doesn't want to dress you and make you eat French food and all that and I think that the thing with Max is he wanted her to change, but it wasn't in any way that wasn't, like, unreasonable. Yeah, I think that the adjustments that he was hoping for were normal. Like, I think there's a difference between, like, adjusting to your partner and recognizing that there are compromises in a relationship, but asking them to change is is something completely different. Now, Lorelai and Luke as we come to discover and as we kind of knew as this was happening, they show up as they are. And that's why they were. 
Um, but they needed to make compromises for each other too. It's just more oh over that Max <laughs> yeah. and Lorelai were not working. And instead of like continuously trying to make it work and hammering it into the ground that like they were not the right people for each other, like they needed to just recognize when it was time to split. And eventually they get there, at least she does. But like, yeah. For a long time, it's like every sign is pointing to this isn't working out. And I've been in relationships before or I was in one major relationship where it was constantly blamed on time, on timing. And it was like, well, it's just not the right time. The timing isn't right. Like this feels right, but the timing's not right. And that is Max and Lorelai. It is this buildup of like, well, when the time is right and all of the stars align, this will be perfect. And then they finally just pull the trigger on it and they realize that it doesn't work. Or again, at least she does. But I don't know if Max ever really realized that it didn't work. Do you think that he at any point before this realized that she really didn't love him? That she wanted to love him? Because as you pointed out to me when we were rewatching, the first time that we hear Max say I love you to Lorelai is when he's proposing. And Mm -hmm. it seems like it's the first time that he's saying it. Mm -hmm. And as we know, we don't hear Lorelai say it. We don't hear Lorelai say I love you until Mm -hmm. partings. Um, Arguably, we imagine she said it to Luke off screen before then. But like what we learn, of course, from Jan in the office in the car, the mm-hmm. therapy session in the driveway and partings, she says she wanted to love Max, but she doesn't think she ever did. Mm. And it's like in such retrospect that we now get to like add that to the mix here. But, you know, I would say that he might have really started to unpack that. I know it sounds benign, but with the keys like yeah. that last scene between the two of them. If you look at the way they kind of say goodbye to each other in that moment, which we come to discover is like the last scene we'll see between the two of them until season three. That's their goodbye. But the way that it happens is just kind of this, it seems like a very silent acknowledgement of like, this is bigger than keys, right? This isn't working. Yeah. I think it started with that conversation in her bedroom Mm -hmm. of like, when he's like, how would you feel if I told you I had not considered our future at all? Yeah. And she's like, terrible? <laughs> LOL. Yeah. Um, terrible. And so like he's now in that spot that I think he's because he's the one that like, you know, the next time we see him after this moment, after Luke praises the doubts, you know that my favorite part about them breaking up is that it's Luke and Emily are the ones that sowed the seeds of doubt for her mm-hmm. as she goes forward. And we see him in Nick and Norris and Nancy because Paris is a monster and assigned Rory the interview with Max And she says, I really wanted you to be my stepdad, like a knife to the fucking heart. Mm. And then the next time we see Max is in the big one Mm. Mm -hmm. when they just kind of like run into each other because they both have colds. He's been away. They see each other at school and he's like, you didn't love me. Yeah. And she actually denies it, which is interesting given how it comes back around in partings with Jan in the office in the car. And she never says, no, I did love you. She says, I don't think it was that I didn't love you. Yeah, I don't think I didn't love you. That's not I love you, Lorelai. But it's just like, it's so interesting that Max is the one that like, how much thought process has he gone into? Like over these, over the past year to be like, she didn't love Love me. me. She left me. High and dry, yeah. right before our wedding. Mm-hmm. And and then they kiss. To make things so much easier. They kiss. Because he said he was over her. And mm-hmm. he's like, I am not over you. And apparently, 
I'm not over it. And then when we see him again in Keg Max, she's yeah. the one who's kind of pursuing this like, hey, what? let's talk, let's talk, let's talk. And I'm really proud of him for being like, you know what? No. Yeah. You're kind of like my kryptonite and I need to yeah. never see you again. Because this scene feels like the scene in The Breakup Part 2 when mm-hmm. they like have to put the table between mm-hmm, them mm-hmm. because they're like, we have to talk. We ha- like we can't. And they just like end up making out because there's just like something between them that he like realizes that and he's like no yeah it's almost like it's like she's a drug now and she's like he's like get away from me which is very very challenging to do because when someone like that comes back into your life it's really hard not to give in to those feelings but yeah what I respect a lot about him is that he's like no we can't do this again yeah like we're just gonna continue to repeat the same bad habits and honestly that's kind of what they should have done in season one yeah instead of I mean, getting engaged he had to be crushed horribly in order to like mm-hmm. put his boundaries up what do you think was even like the purpose of bringing max back because i know that we talked about this before of we like have. Have. that there was like the closure element of it because we talked about it in plot holes and kind of like put some fan fiction to it but i guess more in the sense of like At this point, we are far removed from it. All it would have taken is, like, a little conversation in the kitchen with Suki to, like, maybe even mention him again. But it's, like, what's the... What... Did that, like, drive anything forward with her and Luke? Did... No. I just felt like it was so random. I do, too. Was Scott Cohen just, like, you know what? I've got some free time, Amy. Um, And I'm strapped for cash. Can I make a guest appearance? I don't know because it really didn't lend anything to the story other than bringing him back, speaking to how terribly Lorelai treated him, that they left everything open-ended. They give us a little bit of closure in the sense that it answers some questions of Max, Max finally reaching a point of acceptance about it. He's not fully over it, but he's accepted it and he's not going to go back. But like well, we reach closure in that Max telling us that we don't need closure mm-hmm. when they're in the like classroom before the kiss happens. He's like, you didn't love me. Like that's life. We don't need. Yeah. What's the point of the closure? Which is really, really mature and very interesting. And again, that's kind of one of the things that I love about Max's character is that at the end of the day, like he doesn't harbor any ill will towards Lorelai and she treated him like shit. Suki speaks to this. Like she's like, you treated him like dirt. Yeah. And he was so nice to her. Because it's, this all comes from when they're at that uh, like it's like a booster meeting or something and Max is like the the teacher present mm-hmm. and she was like you treated me like all the other women he was like yeah I treated you with respect and kindness because who are you to me now like that's all you needed yeah. like I felt like he was he was totally in the right there but I just yeah, I agree I, I agree. just still don't know why he came back uh, yeah but overall garners some semblance of closure and that kind of closes the book ultimately on Max for the remainder of the season but what about rewatching that again cohesively mm-hmm. took some of your ick away because I like I have to say that on the whole yeah there are moments that are kind of cringe with Max but I think that has more to do with his relationship with Lorelai less to do with him necessarily as a person with the exception of in Cinnamon's Wake when I feel like he's a little too persistent persistent with yeah it's an elbow grab (laughs) yeah but like outside of that what took away some of the ick watching it back for you 
it was truly taking it into the context of watching it like one continuous story. Mm. Like that it was just the Max and Lorelai story, that there was no real breaks, that we didn't see the layeredness, that like he didn't come in and out. That I think that there's just like a natural, mm-hmm. like I think ick is even the wrong word because it doesn't really quite describe, it's too specific. I think mm-hmm. an ick is a very, it's very, you know, it's the elbow grab. But, like, you can't say that the elbow grab is the entirety of their relationship. I just yeah. think it's a really easy way to say that I don't really like him. Mm-hmm. I, To be fair, I don't I don't like him as a partner for Lorelai. If we're talking about Max as a person, sure. For, I'm in the narrative. I'm a fellow teacher at Chilton. Max probably seems like a great guy. Good person to trade book recs with. Mm. Probably wouldn't want to read any of his recommendations. I will say I think it's because I've been on a romance kick lately. And there's all these little moments when Max pops in. Like when Rory runs away and he shows up. Or he gives them the ring pops. Mm. Or there's just these like cutie moments with Max that like, you know. But ultimately it's like he doesn't he doesn't really understand her. He doesn't, he's not the one for her. Mm-hmm. The relationship doesn't fit. Yeah. Um. And I will say, I am the last person that expected to, like, watch all of these scenes because I kind of was, like, not dreading it, but I was like, oh, I don't even like Max. Going through and watching every single scene because, like, at the end of the day, I didn't count, like, when, like, the scene broke and they were in consecutive scenes. Max is in 49 scenes Mm, of the show. Um, I didn't add up the time like I did with Dave Rogowski, even though I wrote it all out. I didn't actually add it up. But it's like it's like at least an hour that he of screen time. I didn't I'd have to add it up. Yeah, because he's in 13 episodes. Yeah, I'll add it up and say it in the subsequent episode, the companion episode to this one. But I was the last person that expected that all of that was going to lend to me liking Max more. Yeah. Like, honestly, especially after we just finished Patreon, because that was why we wanted to do this right now, because Max was, like, fresh in our brains. Mm -hmm. And, like, every single episode, I felt like, oh, Max, ick, Max, bad, Max. But, like, watching it back through, I was like, oh, okay, well, if this was the only storyline that Lorelai had... I'd be into it. Yeah. I I would have been sad to see it go. I would have understood it. I would have kind of been glad, actually. Um, But again, I think that it's it's measuring it up against these two other suitors that the writers threw in there, which I think if there was one, it would have been more of a push-pull, push-pull that we would have been excited about. Less like, okay, who does Lorelai like this week? (laughs) Yeah. It literally felt like just like roll the dice. And it's like, it's coming up max today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's just that that was that was hard. It's hard to find yourself um, invested is the right word. Because yeah. I became invested watching all of the scenes at once yeah. versus. But even when he left, I was like, and I know it's because I know the show so well, but like watching Luke talk to her and like he thought that what he was doing was talking her into marriage, mm-hmm. re- reassuring her that she was doing the right thing. He built her this, like, just just out of the goodness of Luke knows how to woodwork, and he mm. wanted to do this for his friend, mm-hmm. who he's in love with, mm-hmm. thinking that, like, he was reassuring her, and it ended up being what, like, really na- nailed home mm-hmm. that she wasn't going to get married. Yeah. So, I don't know. I I will say I was so, I was so surprised to not, to not ick as much throughout this whole episode yeah yeah for sure which is like everyone's surprised honestly i didn't think that we would maybe get here until after our next episode which is actually going to be us 
listening to voicemails that we kind of called to action yes. in a podcast episode a couple of weeks ago of ours because we wanted to hear your opinions on Max and and before we listen to any of those kind of air our thoughts out on Max and then turn to you guys to see how you feel about Max and to kind of shed a different perspective but I yeah. really thought we were going to end this episode with you being adamantly icked Me by Max and us kind of having to turn to our besties to change our <laughs> mind but I don't know that that's going to be the case anymore. Absolutely because I picked out a couple of voicemails but like so many people called in because so many people have so many opinions on Max which I was yeah. so thrilled about but like when I was going through them I was kind of picking out ones that like people really like Max really didn't like Max and kind of like a little bit indifferent Mm -hmm. but I think I need to go back through and find some spicier takes because like who thought that like I was going to be the one that was like because the reason that we wanted to hear from everyone is because we kind of ended up on similar pages where we didn't really like him and now I'm like I I always liked him it was more over measuring it up against like how I liked him as a partner for Lorelai. And again, yeah. watching it back with you and Brett made me go like, oh yeah, I guess that was a little cringe. Oh yeah, that's kind of icky. I think what's hard is because I can get drawn into a story really easily, even if it's bad. Like I, I've read like a hundred books this year and like not all of them were good, mm. but it's just like, I love getting involved, like involved and invested and like, but I can always step back and be like, oh, I didn't like that, mm-hmm. but I was, but I loved it. And I think that that's where I am with Max and Lorelai is mm. like, at the end of it, I was like, oh, I kind of loved that. But then I step back and I'm being like, well, I didn't actually like that at all. So it's like, there's just like, totally. But I didn't expect to get to the, I really liked that place. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm still in both. I still don't like him. Oh, okay. But you don't like him as a partner or you don't like him as a character. See, that's that's where this is really hard because like putting evidence to it, I feel like this whole, uh, which is what this whole episode has been about, like kind of like the facts of the relationship with like how we feel about it for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm like, yeah, I like him because factually what I presented, I like it all. Feelings based off of literally nothing, but like that I can like hold it up with like a gust of wind would blow it over. I don't like him. Okay. Like, there's nothing behind it. No, it's just, I understand. And that's why I call it the ick, because I do think the ick is more specific, mm. like, than broad sweeping, but I think that's why I call it, because I just, like, still don't like him. All right. Well, I'm excited to hear what our besties have to say in the next episode to see how, where you land by the end of it. If you still feel the same, or... I know. It's Max Week on the pod, so maybe I could change my mind. This, this went crazy. Who knows? And we'll have more to consider on that next episode. If you want more Gilmore to say, join us on Patreon for a spoiler-full recap podcast, Gilmore Revisited, where you can access weekly episodes, monthly merch discounts, and a community page of your fellow Gilmore-obsessed besties. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at Gilmore to Say Podcast, where you can find links to our Patreon and merch and stay up to date with all things Gilmore to Say.